Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You are the first four contestants on The Price is Right. And now, here's the star of The Price is Right, Bob Barker! Welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I do have my four horsemen. I do have David Howman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Holling, who you can follow all of us on Twitter at, at @BrandonIsRight. At underscore DH44 underscore at Icebreaker21 and at Chris Holling underscore. We need to figure out a way where if we could just do a, a mass, we need, maybe we just start our own Twitter handle and we just say it and then plug it in, uh, go that way, because that is a mouthful. But, uh, you know, last week we talked about the 53 man roster projection for us. I think we had a very clear idea. I look back and we were at about that 56, 57 range. And it's a good thing that we decided not to put our stamp on it because there were a few moves being made, players. Adding, subtracting, of course, the Cowboys went and traded for Trey Lance, which we all saw that coming. I know we could say safe to say we all saw that happening uh, for a fourth round pick. So that means the Cowboys will be carrying three quarterbacks on the roster, something we didn't have last week. But uh, we'll touch on it a little bit, but we're going to actually have a game tonight to talk about. But the first thing I wanted to mention is, of course, you know, go and leave us a five star rating. Rate and review the podcast. Of course, all the podcasts on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast and you stream everything there. And also, again, keep on the lookout for the Twitter spaces that we're going to have throughout the year. We just went through the preseason with a few of them and pretty awesome, pretty exciting. A lot of interaction. It's where you guys can join us live, similar to the roundtable, where we get to talk about the Cowboys before the game and also react after the game as well. So with that being said, the 53-man roster touch-up I wanted to talk about was, of course, the news with Josh Ball potentially being injured a lot longer than was initially projected, or they didn't really have a certain idea. Mike McCarthy said today that it should be a multiple week injury. So, Howman, I'll turn to you because we were sort of talking about the back end of the roster last week with offensive line. Does this change anything for you? Is Ball somebody that you want to keep on the 53, or are you thinking about moving him to IR if you had the power to do so? And if you did do that, who would step up in his place? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely makes things interesting just because so much of the conversation has been about the depth for this offensive line and how a lot of the guys that the Cowboys were kind of counting on really weren't stepping up in the preseason. Um, and Josh Ball kind of was in this weird position of, you know, he, he ended up being one of the better performers on the offensive line, but also we have this, you know, all this trauma associated with having watched Josh Ball play in the past. Granted, that was at tackle, now he's at guard. So, um, I mean, I, I think it would it would make sense if, if he gets kind of one of those IR stashes where they keep him on there for a few weeks. Sounds like it's going to be a multiple-week injury anyway, so if you can kind of clear that roster spot up, um, I think that kind of uh, lends some, some uh, wiggle room with the rest of this offensive line because they're, it seems like they're still trying to figure things out. What's the status with 
Uh, Chuma Yadoga, we haven't really heard of much of an update on him, whether he's going to be healthy enough to go or if it's a similar situation with him. Um, but, I, I mean, I think TJ Bass is someone that, you know, we talked about a lot last week. I think he's just, through all three preseason games, he just was consistently really, really good. He was very impressive and seemed like he got better each week. So if he's one of those guys that they're kind of on the fence about, or maybe even Brock Hoffman, who had a kind of meteoric rise and then he fell off real quick, you know, maybe they see the potential, they want to keep him on, and the Josh Ball move, if he goes to IR, kind of makes room for that. So, um, I, I mean, I, I think it, it gives them options at a spot where they really needed to have some options, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Just speaking on uh, Josh um, on uh, Josh Ball's injury, I do think that it makes a lot of sense to kind of put him on that IR spot and kind of elevate those guys who we were maybe thinking could have been like a fringe roster cut. TJ Bass has been absolutely dominant this preseason. Um, he's the only Cowboys offensive lineman to not allow a single pressure this entire preseason, and that's very impressive, especially coming from an undrafted free agent. I think at this point he should honestly be a lock to make the roster. I think I think he's played that well. He was apparently even getting some looks with uh, the starters at right guard whenever Zach Martin was out. So he's really kind of – I mean, it's showing how much this uh, coaching staff sees the potential in him and sees the sees what he can bring to this offensive line. So I think – it just makes sense to kind of put Josh Ball at that um, IR spot and kind of let him heal up, and then, and then you're looking at filling out that offensive line depth, and then I think you're looking at keeping, uh, maybe you know, I think for sure T.J. Bass, but maybe Brock Hoffman as well. So maybe you know, like those guys who are kind of on the bubble now. Yeah, I mean, for me, obvious answer is T.J. Bass. I think this is who it. You know, I mean, I've been saying this for weeks. I'm glad y'all jumped on that train as yeah, well. Yeah, we're, we're so finally think- catching up to you here. <laughs> Apparently, I, I loved. I've always loved this kid. You know, when he was playing at Oregon. So he, I mean, and and Chris, you stole my thunder. I mean, the pressures. I mean, he, the dude's checking all the boxes. You know, our our, our colleague at blogging the boys, uh, Danny Phantom, has been uh, putting a lot of love out there as well. So uh, you know, he, you know, when when I saw Danny out there, I was like, all right, cool. The train's moving a little bit. I like this. This is good. So TJ TJ Bass to me. I thought he was kind of already a lock at this point, even before the job, the unfortunate Josh ball injury. But at this point he's, he like, it's for certain, like I'm just going to expect things to be very nice when the, when the 53 man roster is, 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 you know, cut down days all situated. He's going to be, he's going to be on the roster now, unfortunately, I mean, what, what do we do with Josh ball? I mean, he played very well in the preseason. He's going to be out for, it looks like a very extended period of time from what, what I've been reading. So you know, do you put an IR? You put him in an IR spot. Do you you take a chance? You know, you know, cutting him. I, I don't. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do it because you know there's another guy that you know supposedly is ready to go and and that's Jordan Lewis. So Jordan Lewis is another guy that so you know there's there's been reports out there that he you know he could be he could be the the fifth cornerback. So how many how many IR spots can you really you know at this point keep? you know, keep, you know, keep available. And at the same time, you don't want to lose some guys to the, the practice squad or, you know, possibly make it to the practice squad maybe get picked up by somebody else. It's, and, and you guys know my, you know who I'm talking about, you know, I, Isaiah land. If I had to say anything, it's Isaiah land who was maybe for me, number 54 last week, even though his number is 53. So I think he is number 53 this, uh, this week. I think he is the, he's going to be the recipient of that 
final spot where before I think he, I think we would have been really upset and seen him, you know, seen him get picked up by somebody else because, you know, the Cowboys just have so much, you know, so many other positions that need to be filled. And he was kind of at a position that's loaded, but at this point, I mean, even if you go maybe one less than, you know, what you were thinking of at offensive line, no offense to Chris uh, Hoffman. If I got to go, if I got to go land or Hoffman is my last spot. That's where I'm going. I'm going land, baby. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody disagrees that Bass definitely has performed really well. It, it comes down to a numbers game, and I know there's a lot of beat reporters out there that are kind of handing out their initial 53-man roster projections or finalizing that what their projections are. I do think that, like we mentioned last week, and Hellman touched on this as well, I think in our pre-show, you know, what were we going to do? We're going to do the 53-man roster that goes into New York or the initial one where there's a lot of guys cut where the Cowboys only have one quarterback on their initial roster last year and Cooper Rush was off. So I think that there were a few names that were thrown out, I believe, by either David Moore or Michael Gelkin, where they mentioned Malik Jefferson, C.J. Goodwin, and Trent Sieg, which is a.k.a. David Hellman. I'm telling you, go look at the picture. It's the same person. I don't want anybody to tell me different. Um, both are all three of those guys were named specifically as guys that could be released and then find their way back, which I thought it was interesting about Malik Jefferson specifically. seems like the Cowboys really like him and what they have. Um, but I do agree that Bass performed really well. I've also liked this, uh, the performance of Awesome Richards. I thought he's performed very well each and every week. And I think when it comes down to an offensive line, they might have to go light because of something like a Jordan Lewis where there's a guy trying to fight his way back and they want the depth there. Maybe they go it, – it just whatever it is – you know, it's 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 a sad day. People are going to be losing their jobs. We hope everybody lands on their feet. But at the end of the day, this is something that's really tough for the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy mentioned that it's one of the difficult days uh, for him personally, but also with this roster and how deep it is where you're going to be losing a lot of good guys. And then also to shout out to uh, the older 53, uh, Cam Lawrence. Uh, that's, a, that's a throwback name of the, I believe that was the linebacker uh, with the wavy hair all those years ago. So I digress. We will move on. We'll we'll have our 53-man roster reactions and everything. The tracker, of course, is going to be on bloggingtheboys.com. You guys can check that out throughout the day. We'll have you up to the minute with everything and what we hear and see. But in the game sense of what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, actually, it's going to be in honor of Bob Barker, who passed away, the famous uh, host of The Price is Right. Uh, he passed away at 99 years old, and I saw people were floating around with comments on Twitter saying he got closest to a dollar without going over. Uh, so, you know, shout out to Bob. His, of course, appearance in Happy Gilmore, iconic, and just him as a host, just legendary. I know he got me through a bunch of sick days uh, during school and the afternoons with my grandparents. So that was always wonderful. So what we're going to do is we're going to do prices Right predictions. We're going to have predictions for the season that, you know, we've been throwing out numbers of Dak throwing for 5,000 yards. We've been saying a 14-win season. Maybe that's a little bold. We want to temper those expectations a little bit. Go close to them without going over. This way we look smart during the regular season. When it actually happens, we can put our stamp on it and say that we were the first people to do it. So we're just going to throw out a few predictions, talk about it, see, you know, who might be on the verge of bold, but kind of pull people back a little bit. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you with your first bold prediction. We'll react to it. Tell us what you have with the prices right. Man, I've, I feel like I'm coming in a little too hot, but if there's anyone, if there's anyone who can do this, it's Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons gets 23 sacks. I think he breaks wow. the single season record by Michael Strahan and TJ Watt. He has been phenomenal his last two seasons. He's had, what is it? 13 sacks each of the last two seasons. 
and he's just been absolutely dominant. And he, I think he's proven to be the best defensive player in the NFL. And it seems like he's going to get a lot more work at the at just straight up defensive end, rushing off the edge. And I mean, how can he get any better than he is? You know, like he's for him to noticeably improve. I think he's going to have to have a big season. I think he sets NFL history this season. Well, we were and, asking for, I was going to say, we were asking for uh, keeping it without going over, uh, but you're bold <laughs> right off the bat. I like it. Sometimes the people, they need to go bold on the prices, right? You want to win the showcase showdown sometimes and just go all in. So I, I, I like the boldness. I like the take. Howman, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it's pretty bold. I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, I mean, I would love if, if that ends up being the case. I, I think Micah Parsons is definitely that kind of talent. But, um, you know, I, I just, I mean, you, you said, what, 23 sacks in a season? He has 26 in two years. And I'm like, how is he going to, you know, almost double his, his career production in one year? Um, I know that, they you know, they're talking about they're going to play him on the line of scrimmage more. Um, I get that. But at the same time, you just think about one, every single offensive line that he faces the number one priority is stopping Micah Parsons. So he's already getting plenty of attention. Plus, you just think about all the other pass rushers on this defense. You've got Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong. Like, and then they're talking about, like, we got to get Sam Williams on the field. Uh, you know, Dante Fowler, like, they still want to get him on the field. And then, you know, there's there's a bunch of other guys, you know, whether it's defensive tackles, Ose Digazua, they're always talking about Mozzie Smith. You know, maybe Isaiah Land gets in there. Who knows? We'll see. Crossing our fingers. Um, so I, I just think like there's only so many sacks to go around with how great this defense is. That's a good problem to have. Um, but I mean, shoot, I would be rooting for it. I'm hoping that he, he goes out and breaks that record, but I mean, I, I, that's a little too bold for me. I love it, Chris. I like your style. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love it too, Chris. And, and, in a normal situation where we didn't have like six or seven beasts on the edge, I'd say, all right, sure, because Mozzie's going to take up two guys. So Micah Parsons, one-on-one, -on -one, That's uh, I'll take that every day of the week. And, you know, if they really mess up, it's one-on-one -on -one against a tight end. You might as well just – the quarterback might as well lay down at that point because it's, it's just going to be a sack. But yeah, 23 is very bold. I would uh, – and, and I, Hallman stole my thunder. I mean, that's he made some great points, as always. Uh, there, there's just so many guys. There's, there's so many, you know, there's so many mouths to feed. I don't think Parsons comes off the field as much this year, anyways. I do think if anybody's going to be rotation and out of, you know, it, you know, swapping out, I feel like Tank. I feel like Tank might, I, is he because he is a veteran. He's been in the league a long time, so maybe we, we save a little bit of Tank Lawrence for the end of the season. So maybe some of the guys like Sam Williams and uh, our, our boy Isaiah Land, maybe if he makes the roster, he can be in the mix there. There's just so much to go around. Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong. I don't even want to leave anybody out because there's so many great players on that on that edge. But ah, if I had to put a number on it, because you know, and I'm not going to do one because that's just you know I'm not doing the the prices right <laughs> one. Or, you're definitely not going. You know, you're not going to bid over on that point. You're you're bidding right where you need to be. I honestly, I would put it at. I'll say I'll say seventeen. I think he averages one a game. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely. Uh... I think 17 is closer to the number that I would be thinking for something like that. And you mentioned Chris, that he's had 13 sacks pretty much almost every season. He'd be the second player since 1982 to reach that mark in his first three NFL seasons. If he does it again this year, since Reggie white. So I think then you'd be trending on the, you know, legacy type player uh, that, I mean, if he got to the 23 sack number, I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. Like we were, we're all talking about, nobody's saying don't let that happen, 
But, uh, you know, whether it does or not, I think remains to be seen, given the talent that is on the Cowboys. Usually a lot of these guys that have these record-breaking years, they're usually the only guy to do it. Uh, but again, like Hamilton said, I like your style. I like what you're doing here. Um, it's something that is bold right off the bat, and we appreciate that. Uh, we'll go back to B1. Uh, give me your first Price is Right prediction. What do you got? All right, I'm not going to go as bold as our, as our boy Chris here. I love I love the enthusiasm. You know me. I'm a very optimistic guy with my players, but – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down to earth just a little bit. And uh, let's see, uh, C.D. Lamb, how many pass or how many rough, or receiving yards, excuse me, how many did he have last year? 1,359. I think 1,500 is a great number for C.D. Lamb this year. So that is my magic number. I think 1,500 yards for C.D. Lamb. And, yes, I know there's more mouths to feed. Brandon Cooks is going to – he's going to – I think he'll be over 1,000 yards. Michael Gallup might be in the conversation. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have Deuce Vaughn out there catching passes you know, our tight ends are going to be catching passes. There's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. And that's the only reason why I don't go crazy and say it's going to be a Justin Jefferson type year for, for CD, because I do feel he is close to that level talent wise. And I think he's, I think he's just starting to get to his peak. I think we're, you know, we're, we're still, we're still on the, on the upper uptrend for, for CD lamb. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to the, to the uh, Justin Jefferson type seasons. Uh, But because of all the weapons and all the mouths that Dak has to feed, I think 1,500 yards is safe. I think that's, you know, and it's and it's not out of the realm because in the 17 game last year, he was only about 100 and, uh, 140 yards short of that number. So I think 1,500 yards, we'll call it very safely for C.D. Lamb in 2023. I, was, I mean, honestly, Brandon, I like your prediction because – I think for many reasons. A, it is a contract year. Well, it's not necessarily a contract year for CD Lamb. He is um, having that fifth-year option. However, he is playing for a contract. He's playing for that second contract. And not only that, but you know w- there are more weapons around him, which I think is going to make it actually easier for him because it's going to be hard for defenses to focus on not letting Brandon Cooks beat them over the top, and that's going to free up more space and more uh, route concepts for CD Lamb. I also think that he has a higher ceiling because Kellen Moore is not there. And, you know, I don't want to throw shade at Kellen Moore. I don't want to bash him, but I thought he was very simplistic with his route calling sometimes. And I think allowing CD to really open up that bag and go in and kind of pull out all these different routes and, you know, show his tricks and everything. I think it'll be good for him. And hopefully if, if everything goes correctly, Dak Prescott isn't missing what five games. So I think having Dak there longer will be much better for CD lamb as well. I'm going to go with uh, 1,457 yards. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go slightly under you, Brandon, because just in case you are over, then that would put me there. So I don't know. I think that's how it works. And price is right. Right. Chaz, if you go over, you automatically are. Yeah, you get that. You get that. Exactly. Exactly. So I can end somewhere between fourteen five and five hundred. So fourteen five seven. That's my final answer. Give me the showcase. (laughs) See, you know, the best strategy there is to you know just go right right under it at what fourteen ninety nine and just just really hedge your bets there. But no, I mean, I I like the fifteen hundred. I think that it, it is. I think it's a little risky just because, like Brandon said, you know, there are more mouths to feed this year. But also you think about, like, Mike McCarthy's taking over the play calling and it lo- everything that we've seen in the preseason looks like they're going to be throwing it more. I mean, the Cowboys, you know, we, we talked so much about how the receivers were a problem last year, but they also just didn't throw it that much, maybe because they didn't trust their pass game outside of CeeDee Lamb. Um, and, and to Chris's point, too, I think uh, with, with the change from Kellen Moore to, CD, or to, to Mike McCarthy, I think that does open up a lot more 
for CD land, just because there's going to be more creative routes. There's going to be more routes where receivers are, are catching the ball in motion instead of, you know, running those hitch routes. And in fact, I, you know, I saw a stat a few, few weeks ago that CD lamb has been targeted on hitch routes, which has the receiver like uh, stationary at the point of the catch. He's been targeted on hitch routes more than any other route throughout his career, which for someone with his kind of speed and agility, that's just, it, it kind of blows your mind that that's how he was used so far. So I, I think, um, being in that kind of change of offense and with other guys to kind of take some pressure off. I think it's totally doable. Um, it, it is kind of, you know, on that line where, you know, it is a little risky, but sometimes you gotta, you know, go, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. So I, I appreciate the gambit from, from you, Brandon. I, I like it because you guys made great points, Chris. I think your point is the one that not a lot of people think about where Dak missed a lot of time last year. You know, five games is a big stretch, and CeeDee Lamb wasn't really performing well during that stretch. It was a lot of guys like Noah Brown, Michael Gallup had a few flashes, and of course CeeDee did as well, but not to the level that we saw down the stretch after the Green Bay game where he just became that solidified, cemented number one guy and then became a pro bowler for it. And I do think that when you look at the overall Mike McCarthy style of offense and everything, don't forget, like, he had Devontae Adams in Green Bay, and of course it was with Aaron Rodgers, but usually when Mike McCarthy has a talented receiver, like, he makes sure that the offense funnels through that player, and he knows how special CeeDee Lamb is. And to have Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, and now Jalen Tolbert as sort of these solidified you know, cast members to CD Lamb's productive season, I think will only help him and elevate him a little bit more. Uh, I think 1500 is a perfect even number. We love even numbers. So I think that one's good. And listen, if it's, you know, 1485, 1495, we'll still give it to you. I think because that, that's pretty close. And then, you know, it's still bold enough to where it's round. I like it. It's even. It's it's cohesive. Um, and then if it's 1457, well, you know, that, that's nor here nor there. Um, so, Howman, what do you got for yours? All right. I, I don't I don't know how, how bold y'all are going to think this is. Um, the first time I, I wrote it down, I was like, oh, that's a little bold. But then I thought about it, and I was like, no, it kind of makes sense. I'm taking Deuce Vaughn to get 750 scrimmage yards. All right. Specifically scrimmage yards, meaning both running and receiving combined. And I think it's entirely possible because if you're, you know, it's a little bold because if you think about it, Tony Pollard, he didn't hit 750 until this past year, and then he got well over a thousand because he just had a much larger role. But at the same time, the last year there were 89 different players who had at least 750 scrimmage yards. 39 of them were running backs. Eight of those 39 were number two on the depth chart or lower. So it, you know this is something that does happen on a somewhat consistent basis. It's not like it's completely out of the realm of possibility. And the Cowboys have been talking up Deuce Vaughn, and he's done nothing but prove them right in the preseason and. Mike McCarthy has said, you know, obviously we're going to have a role for Deuce because someone of his talent, you just got to get him on the field. Um, and especially with Tony Pollard kind of, you know, being he only has this one year under contract. And it does seem like they're kind of looking, maybe Deuce can take over from him. So if he starts catching fire, maybe they get it more to kind of a balanced workload between the two of them. At which point, you know, with what we've seen in the preseason, 750 scrimmage yards seems like, it could very much be doable, and that would be a really great start to his career. Howman, I gotta tell you, dude, you're stealing my thunder. I, I was, <laughs> I wrote a few down because I know we were, you know, we, you know, we were getting ready for the show, and I was, I wrote a few down here. One of my, uh, one of my picks was actually uh, Vaughn, so Deuce Vaughn. I put 850. That's what Ooh. I put down. So here's here's my logic behind that. So I wasn't you know, bold enough. <laughs> no, no, you know, here's my here's the reason I did that. So. 
I figured, okay, can Deuce get 50 yards per game? Yes, I think he can. 50, and I know, I know, uh, you know, broadcasting, uh, the media field, we're not always great at math. I'm usually one of the few that are pretty good at math. I, I consider myself a numbers guy. I kind of do it for a living. Uh, so, eight. So, 50 times 17 is 850 yards. To me, I think 50 is is plenty because that means, you know, at any given Sunday, uh, 25 rushing yards, 25 receiving yards. I don't think that's out of the question because even if he's not the focal point of the offense, obviously Tony Pollard's our RB1. I think we all know that. I don't think anyone on here is going to say anything other than, that, other than that, honestly. But Deuce is the kind of guy, if he gets two or three touches a game, he to me, he's going to break one for 15, 20 yards, and there's half your 50 right there. So for me, realistically speaking, and, and, and if you guys follow the fantasy football world, I re, you know we, we know how great Deuce Vaughn is, but the fantasy football community with all the fantasy football drafts coming up, you know, people are like, oh, watch out for that Deuce Vaughn guy. Us, us at Blog and the Boys and the rest of our great Cowboys fans and America's teams, you know, Cowboys Nation, we're like, we already know about Deuce. Deuce has been loose, you know, since he was at Kansas State and he came in, he's been balling out. So 850 yards, let's do it. I'm I'm going above that. I'm going above Hallman on this one. I'm, I'm putting my neck out on that one, but I don't think it's going to be – I don't think I'm sticking my neck out too much because I think it's very reasonable. I think he's our RB2 this year. You know, honestly – I like those opinions. I do, but I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go 600. And the reason why is because I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go 600 here because I think that that's very, very doable for Deuce Vaughn. And honestly, like he could easily go over that. I wouldn't be shocked at all, but you know, it's, you know, it's safe, it's safe to play the under and the price is right. So, you know, 600, I think is a fair, easy one to hit. And I mean, that's, a combined scrimmage yards. I think he gets most of his yards, honestly, in the receiving game and not the rushing game. I think he's more of a Darren Sproles type impact player. He doesn't really, you know, you know, he's not a three down in between the tackles back to start off with. Maybe he develops that way because a lot of people kind of felt like Tony Pollard wasn't that kind of a guy. And then he kind of shut that narrative down when he got more touches and really had the opportunity to show that. So, and, and honestly, I think, I understand that Tony Pollard is on a contract year and maybe the Cowboys are thinking about life without him, but I think the Cowboys are going to give him a lot of carries because they know it's his contract year and they're going to use him up as much as they can before he's gone. So I think Tony Pollard's going to have a career year and I think that that's going to take away a little bit from Deuce Vaughn. And at the end of the day, Deuce Vaughn is still a rookie and we haven't seen, we've gotten some some great appetizers, but we haven't really seen the full entree yet. We haven't seen him get a ton of carries, a ton of touches. He's just turning those small touches into big gains. So I think he's exceeded our expectations so far, but I'm not going to go ahead and say that he's going to come out and have 850 scrimmage yards. I like to take, but I need to see that before it happens. I'm hoping it happens, but I'm going to go with 600. You you landed the plane. Go ahead. I can't believe I'm hearing that from Mr. 23 Sacks. Hey, Micah I'm Parsons. a believer in Micah Parsons, man. He's like, you Parsons. came out firing right from the start. Now you're like, oh, that's that's too much for me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, how are your calves? How are your calves, Chris? I feel like you're backpedaling. You're off your hot. No, hot. No, hey, no. Hey. I'm, just, I'm just comparing Deuce Vaughn and Micah Parsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I see where he's going. I'm happy you landed the plane on the appetizer thing. I, I was making sure. I was like, oh, man, where's he going with this? I didn't know if you had food yet or anything. Uh, but, no, I think – you, the final point that you brought up with 
with Tony Pollard having a career year is my first prediction, so it tied in perfectly. So I know it's not a roundtable, but points to you for that one. Um, to me, Tony Pollard will have the most single-season touchdowns in uh, Dallas since 2016, which is when Zeke did it uh, you know, last, where he had 16 total touchdowns. Um, and to me, you saw Pollard have a career year last year. He had nine rushing touchdowns, three receiving, so math. That adds up to 12. So you're pretty close to that 16 number. And to me, thank you. Uh, to me, you you brought it up, Chris. There is no really clear cut number two. I know we're saying Deuce Vaughn, of course, Rico Daddle will presumably be the RB2, RB3. And to me, it, it is a career year. I think they're going to run Tony Pollard into the ground. So it's like for me, he's going to break 16, but by how much? That's really what the number comes down to. The most in team history is with Emmett Smith with 25. To me, I'm not even touching that number. That's way too high. I'm not going to put that on Tony Pollard. Um, but he also had 19 in 1992. So that's a little bit better, a little bit more of a palatable number. For me, I'm going to go with 18 touchdowns for Pollard in 2023, which would be the fourth most in uh, a single season in team history. So it's not something that's too bold, going a little bit under. But if he has that close to 16, 18, 19, I think with a full workload now with Ezekiel Elliott not being here with the goal line touches, it has to go to somebody. And I think that the team trusts Tony Pollard to do that. Yeah, it's not a bad point. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I'll I'll jump in on this one, fellas. Uh, I can't I can't give him that many that many touchdowns. And I get the point where you want to run him into the ground, so to speak. You know, get all the value. You know, out of that you know out of that franchise tag because you know obviously it's one of the higher deals at the position. As we know, the position of running back is falling apart when it comes to to contracts. I mean, look at Bijan hasn't even started a game in the NFL and he's already making, you know, you know, getting to the close to the upper echelon of, of the running back market. So, I mean, and Bijan, again, Bijan's a talent, for example, at Texas with the Texas Longhorns last year, but he hasn't played in the NFL yet. So I, I, I don't know if he's going to run to the ground, run as much as everybody thinks he is. Yes. Is he the RB one? I think that's unquestioned. I, I think that that's an, an obvious answer, but he's been, he's had durability issues. I, I feel like when he gets, when he runs as much as he does, I feel like his, and he's going to, to me, he, he, I just, I think the Cowboys are going to temper it down just a little bit. Do I obviously see a higher number and every like, cause like last year alone, let's see. He had 193 attempts, 107 rushing yards, and nine touchdowns. I do – he's obviously going to – I think he gets closer to 250 attempts, but I don't think it's that much higher than that. So, for me, the touchdown totals – and, yes, we don't have Zeke to pound it in inside, but the Cowboys, I feel like, are going to – and you guys might call me crazy for this one, but – I feel like we're going to see more design runs by Dak this year. I just, I don't know why, but I think inside the five yard line, I feel like we're going to see some more QB, QB rollouts, some boots, but he's also going to have options with all those great tight ends, wide receivers that are going to get out in the end zone. I feel like the I feel like we're going to see more, more of that per se, because Tony Pollard is not, he's not one of those dudes that I think, you should be putting him in, you know, inside the five yard line and pound it three or four times. I just, that's just not his game. He's more of a guy that needs to do his work in space. So, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think he's high. I think he has a career high. But I think he goes from nine touchdowns this past year on the ground. I will say, and and, and I'll let you boys debate it out here in a second. I'm gonna say twelve. I think twelve. I think twelve rushing touchdowns. I think that's a good season. And, and I think for and I'll just throw I'll throw some I'll throw a tray on top rushing yards I say he gets to about twelve fifty. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have 
every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, just to be clear, Brandon, too, you said that it was all uh, like it was all purpose touchdowns or just rushing? Yeah, so rushing and receiving. So he had nine last year rushing, three receiving. So if you boost that number, let's just say he has 10 and eight or 12 and six. Again, okay. math on the fly here, everything adds up. Um, so to me, that's where I think he's going to have more production, you know, more touches. I think that that's going to equate, he has big playability. Um, and again, I, I see your point, uh, you know, B one where it's like the injury history, stuff like that, where he gets all the carries and who knows, maybe the Cowboys don't want to, you know, run him into the ground. Like, like I think, and that they want to keep him fresh, maybe for the final stretch of the season, kind of split carries a little bit more. Maybe Rico Daddle has a a career year himself. So I, I see the point, but yeah, I was going with total touchdowns. Actually, you know what? Just just so I can clean that up. Thank you, uh, Chris, for uh, bringing that up. Because I guess math, I, I thought it was my strong suit, but I guess apparently, you know, I wasn't following directions. So I'll do twelve rushing touchdowns, and I'll do I'll do two receiving touchdowns. So I'll say fourteen total. But you're so you're so close. Why not just give him the extra four? Just go all the way to eighteen. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna leave it. I had to I had to adjust that because. You guys made a good point. I wasn't even. I was like, wait a second. I didn't even do receiving touchdowns. So I think. I think. I think fourteen is a good number. All right. So I'm actually still gonna go a little bit lower than that for that number. And the only reason I'm doing that is because I got to stay consistent with my second uh, take that I have coming up. So I do agree with your point, uh, B1, about how Zeke not being there is going to lead to more touchdown opportunities for other guys because Zeke has always been that goal line back, and he's not there in Dallas anymore. So, the, so those touches have to go somewhere else. However, I don't really think it's Pollard. I think it's going to be passing touchdowns with Dak Prescott. I'll get to that number in a little bit. I'll get there. But just for that uh, sake's point, I'm going to go – I think Tony Pollard has a bigger year in terms of yardage than he does in touchdowns. I think he's going to really drive the ball down the field. He's going to have big runs. He's gonna, he, I think he's got big runs. He's going to have big receptions. But I think I, I think he gets robbed near the end zone a couple of times. I think he probably deserves to get it in, but he just, you know, it just it's just a different play call. And especially too, you know, if uh, if uh, Dak's kind of in charge of uh, the play calls. 
which is kind of what's been talked about is that Dak's going to have a lot of, uh, uh, um, uh, He's going to have a lot of responsibility in terms of calling the plays throughout the drives. I think that Dak may uh, look for his receivers some more. So I'm going to go with nine nine rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. But I think he has a heck of a lot of yards. I think he's looking at about 1,500-plus all-purpose yards. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to agree with Chris as far as just like – You guys don't even like me. It's yards. okay. It's whatever. Well, I just made the case for Deuce getting 750, so I can't then turn around and be like, "Oh yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna Thank run Paul." Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta stick with what I just said. But no, I I totally agree with what uh, B1 said. By the way, we're talking about math. I can barely keep B1 B2 straight, so I'm definitely not the guy to go. But the point he made about they're gonna use Dak Dak's legs more often. I fully agree with that. I totally think that's something we're gonna see. I don't think we're going to get, you know, Jalen Hurts type of running numbers with him. Obviously, he's just a different player than that. But, um, I mean, that's something that, you know, when when Mike McCarthy was in Green Bay, he did a lot of kind of not necessarily QB runs, but plays to get Aaron Rodgers out of the pocket, get him on the move. With Dak, you can kind of throw in that option of tucking and running. They've talked already about how, you know, get through your first two or three reads, and if it's not there, just start going to scramble mode. Um, Brian Schottenheimer, even though he's not the play caller, he has experience from his days in Seattle where they kind of used Russell Wilson and his legs in kind of a similar manner where they kind of reduced the playbook down and said, you take these couple of shots, if not, like you've got the wheels take off and go. So I think they're going to use him a lot more with his legs than they have in the last few years. I think that impacts what they're doing near the goal line. I also just think, you know, my guy Deuce, he's, he's going to be getting those opportunities too, and he might, you know, vulture some touchdowns here and there. I, I yeah, guess I agree. I agree with that. Uh, so, I mean, here's, I, I'm sorry. I got to make one last point. Yeah, we were super. So I, I want to go back to Chris's point really quick because he was talking about you know where there's going to be some vulture touchdowns and in the fantasy world it's like we we call these guys twenty to twenty guys and of course Tony Pollard wears the number twenty so then I guess the numbers are not in his favor for touchdowns apparently but I think that's I think Chris makes a really good point there where I do think he gets a lot of the yardage where it's, you know, he's, you know, we start, you know, you know, outside of our 20 and we get it to the red zone. And then I think to, and I'm, I'm just going to tie it back together with Hellman, where I think that's where you're going to see a lot of red zone, either rushing touchdowns by Dak, or you're going to see some tight end receiver, or even you might even, you're going to see some Deuce Vaughn in there. So I think to kind of tie the two together, I think that meshes, that meshes just right to, uh, to make your numbers, Lori, B2, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen for you. Now, and I, I see everybody's point. I, I respect it. I respectfully disagree, but I respect it. And I guess for me, when I saw the list of leaders with single-season touchdowns over the past few years, when I saw that James Conner had 18 in 2021 with the Cardinals, I'm like, if James Conner can do it with the Cardinals, Tony Pollard can do it with the Cowboys. I guess that's that's my logic there. One of the more forgettable, I guess, 18 touchdown seasons in recent history. Uh, Howman, uh, we'll, we'll do a rapid fire here. Uh, give us your second prediction if you have one, and then we'll go to B1, and then we'll end with Chris, and then I'll throw my last one in there too. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and say that my my other number is that uh, Mike McCarthy, as the offensive play caller, is going to hit a 60% early down pass rate, which I know like not a whole lot of people will be talking about early down pass rates, but you can bet I'll be talking about it because that's one thing I'm really looking to see. When Mike McCarthy was the Packers head coach over that span, the Packers led the NFL in early down pass rate, of course, being the, the amount of time, the percentage of passes on first or second down 
uh, in a neutral situation. So you're taking out like two minute drive kind of deal. Um, and 60% would get them based on last year, kind of in that top five range. Last year, they were kind of in the bottom half. So that would be a really big improvement for them. Um, and that's something that Mike McCarthy has always done. It's something he believes in and preaches as a West Coast guy. Uh, and I think it's just going to be better for this offense, get Dak Prescott in a rhythm early, get him some easy looks in the past game. So 60%, that's where I think they'll be, and I'm hoping it happens. No, no I, I like that. I mean, just – I mean, if it's – if it, I don't know if it'll be the Mike McCarthy offense. It could be the Dak Prescott offense at this point. I mean, the, we saw we saw a lot of great uh, great calls from Dak Prescott this past weekend. So, you know, I'll say uh, I'll say that 60% number. I think that's a pretty a pretty solid number. What do you, what do you think, Chris? I think it's a pretty solid number as well. I think that, I mean, like, honestly, I hope that you're correct, Hellman, because I've always been a fan of passing in, in the early downs and then running in those later downs. I think it's easier to run on like a third and three, a third and two, as opposed to trying to pass on second and nine or third and nine because your run didn't work. And I felt like it got to a point even under Jason Garrett and then through Kellen Moore where it was like, first down run up the middle it's just gonna happen every time and it was just so predictable especially the first play of each game it was like every first play of the game it would be a run up the middle trying to establish a run game i think that the pass is very important and i understand that the run game helps the pass game it goes both ways so i 100 agree with you and i think mike mccarthy is going to feature that as well so i i would put my number at about 60 as well I just appreciate how Howman sticks to his brand of, of football where he doesn't go sacks or he doesn't go touchdowns or anything. He goes to scrimmage yards and uh, offensive <laughs> passing rate on first down. That, to me, is uh, who Howman is in a nutshell, and I love it. Uh, B1, give us your second one. All right, well, you, 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 you brought up a great point. I got to stay on brand here. So what have I been preaching all offseason about a particular franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, that's right. Dak Prescott throwing 5,000 yards this year. I am staying on brand with that. And Dak Prescott is going to throw for 5,000 passing yards. And the reason why is I think to Talman's point, that that first that first down pass rate over 60%, I think that plays a factor in it. I think all the weapons that Dak has is going to play into it. I just think overall this is Dak's year. And just by the way, let me just throw this quick little factoid at you and I'm sure you guys know this fact about Dak Prescott, but in 2019 when we were not playing uh, 17 games, Dak Prescott threw for 4902 yards. That was one last game. He was less than 100 yards away for, from that 5,000 pass yard mark. So with an extra game with all these weapons and a Mike McCarthy, not Kellen Moore, offensive play calling, it leads to this. Dak Prescott, 5,000 yards. Call me crazy, but I'm staying on brand. Let's go. It sounds awesome, Brandon. <laughs> and, you know, part of me hopes that you're right, but also a part of me hopes you're wrong. And that's not because I root on the downfall of Dak Prescott. It's because I don't think that that's the best way the Cowboys can win games. And I think Mike McCarthy kind of talked about this as well. Dak shouldn't be throwing the ball that many times. And he shouldn't be trying to ex- uh, trying to throw deep balls like that because that's what leads to those interceptions. And, it, and it's not always Dak's fault. You know, like, you know, a receiver can trip or a receiver can just drop a pass. We saw that a lot over the last couple seasons with Dak Prescott interceptions. I think that I think it, I think there needs to be a balanced approach here with the run game and the pass game. And I think that you really need to rely on just not making mistakes because your defense, I think this is the best defense in the NFL. I think it's the best defense 
in the NFL in a while too. And I think it's going to be proven this upcoming season. And I think, I think that you just don't want to make mistakes and you want to, obviously you don't want to get carried by your defense, but you want to compliment your defense. And I think that throwing that many yards, that, that means that Dak is just coming out and he's just driving really quick drives. I think it's better for the Cowboys that they kind of chew the clock a little bit and then, and then let the defense, you know, get to do what they can do. So, so I hope you're, Right, but I also kind of hope you're wrong. But you know, it would be great. It would be great to kind of like, like, like stick it in the Dak haters' faces and be like, "Yo, he just threw for five thousand yards." But I think the Cowboys may be better off as a team if that doesn't happen, just because there's no way Dak throws for five thousand yards and doesn't have, I think, seven to ten interceptions. Like, I just don't know how it can be that perfect. Now, if he does that, if he throws for five thousand yards and throws like four interceptions and then that's the best season in Cowboys history at quarterback and, and, you know, like all the praise to him, but I don't know. I'm going to go. I think he has a great year. I'm going to go about 4,600 passing yards. That's where I'm going. I like the move from you, Chris, you're playing both sides. So no matter what happens, you can always come out on top. It's, yes. I, I respect it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I love the energy, Brandon, but I also think 5,000 is, Ooh, that's, that's a lot. Um, I, I just looked it up. Since Dak came into the league, there have been exactly seven times that a quarterback has hit 5,000 or more yards in a season. Some of those guys, you know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, are repeats. So it's not even like there's been seven individual quarterbacks to do that. I mean, like, it's just a high mark to hit. Also taking into account, Dak's never hit 5,000 in his career. Looking at Aaron Rodgers and his whole time with McCarthy calling plays, he never hit 5,000. He never even got really that close. Um, usually he kind of, his highs hovered around the 4,500, 4,600. So, I mean, I, I definitely think like he's going to have a lot of opportunities to throw it. He's going to have a lot of opportunities to be thrown it deep. It's just, that's even with the extra game, that's a lot of yards. Um, and you know, and hopefully the Cowboys are in a situation where Dak's not throwing it much in the fourth quarter anyway, just cause they have such a big lead. So you know, I, I like the idea. I, I would be absolutely ecstatic if it happened because like Chris said, you get to just rub it in the faces of all the haters. But at the same time, you know, if, if I'm putting money down on this, I'm not, I'm not going that bold. But I, I admire the the commitment to the brand. <laughs> well, and it's it's definitely a, a bold take. We've been bringing it up a few times on here, and I I admire Brandon sticking to it, not backing down. Something that you know everybody should have in their personality arsenal uh, at all times. But I do think that. You know, I was just looking at the same list Hammond was. You have somebody like Justin Herbert who did it in 2021. He had 5,014 yards. Um, but I just think that Dak Prescott has never had that sort of big arm talent like a Herbert, like a Mahomes, like some of these other guys. Now, of course, Tom Brady did it at 44 years old, which is still amazing to me that he did that in 2021, uh, 5,300 yards. So you have the extra game now. You have a lot of things going for that where you could say, well, a guy with a weaker arm, um, you know, threw for that many yards. And Tom Brady, of course, has all the weapons at his disposal in 21 like Dak does right now. So I think I could see both sides just like Chris, uh, you know, talks about right now. And um, I think it's a bold take, but it just remains to be seen. I'll kind of put it at like, let me put it at 4,999. I'll put it at there. Uh, this way, you know, people could still hate on the fact he didn't reach 5,000. Uh, but just for the sake of time, let's go to Chris for his uh, final point, And then I'll make my point and then we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, so my final point actually stays with Dak Prescott, and I don't want you to be upset that I chose that because I did mention that my next one was Dak before B1 even said that. So no, you're I'm, good. Sticking with my, I'm sticking with my original choice. Dak Prescott, 
I think he's a great season as well. I'm going to go in the touchdown category, though. You know, his his career high in touchdowns in a season is 37, and that was in 2021 with 16 games. I think it's more realistic that he gets 40 passing touchdowns than he gets 5,000 passing yards. And I just think that that kind of goes back to play about the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing, him not being there. I think Dak is going to look for his tight ends. He's going to look for Jake Ferguson. He's going to look for a schoonmaker. And then he's going to look for a healthier Michael Gallup in the red zone. He's going to look for, you know, um, Brandon Cooks on the deep ball. CeeDee Lamb's going to be killing it in the route running. I don't know. I think that this Mike McCarthy slash Dak-led offense is going to kind of open the gate up for him to kind of get more passing touchdowns. And then with one more game, I don't know. I think he's definitely trying to come in with a statement, and he's really trying to show, hey, I'm not that that um, interception prone QB. You know, I can make good decisions. I can make good reads. And I think 40 passing touchdowns, it kind of plays into my point as well about how Tony Pollard kind of gets the bulk of the yards driving down the field, and then Dak kind of capitalizes in the red zone. So I'm going to go Dak Prescott, 40 passing touchdowns. It sets a career high for him, and it beats his previous record for most passing touchdowns in a season, which was in Cowboys history, which was that 37. Chris, great job. And by the way, uh, you're half right. I mean, uh, I'll stay on brand really quick. I agree. Forty. I already said 40 touchdowns all offseason for Dak. So as soon as you said 40, you, I was lighting up for a second there, and then you know, then you you threw the passing yards thing back in there. That kind of that kind of threw me off a little bit. But I agree with you. 40 touchdowns. I'm gonna say just for the sake of prices, right? I'm gonna say 41. Let's go. <laughs> Um, you know, if, if we had said 40 uh, scrimmage touchdowns, just, you know, again, keeping with my brand, I, I would have been right there. Because what we were just talking about, like Dak's going to Dak's gonna get more involved in the running game. He's going to be – they're going to be using him on options and rollouts down near the goal line. So that not only does that take away touchdowns from Tony Pollard, that takes away passing touchdowns from Dak Prescott, even if he still gets it. And by the way, for the fantasy folks out there, that rushing touchdown is just a little bit more valuable than the passing touchdown. So – Let's let's go ahead and if you have him on your team, let's hope that that's the case. But I, I would say for as far as passing touchdowns, I'm going to go with like a crisp, clean 37. Okay, just a quick rebuttal to that. Maybe we do see those design quarterback runs in um, near the goal line, but what if it's with Trey Lance? And I'm not trying to be crazy here. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get the lot. Seriously, what if they use him kind of in like a Taysom Hill esque role and they sub him in near the red zone? It makes sense. He's proving that he's a good runner and it saves Dak's health, you know? So I don't hate that. I don't hate that idea. And that's just me kind of backing up my point. You know, I have, I no, evidence hate the idea. Show, I have no evidence to show that that's going to happen, but it's a thought <laughs> process. Maybe they want to give Trey Lance some opportunities to be back on the field, kind of raise, you know, his stock and raise his confidence without it really being risky, without having him throw the ball deep, without having him, you know, make crucial mistakes like that. I mean, really, if you're giving a guy who has the legs that he has, he's young, he's fresh, you know, just say, hey, just go out there and run a read option with Tony Pollard. You know, like we trust you to make the right decision. And it kind of makes sense too, because if these are going to be those blowout games where Dak's not even in in the fourth quarter, then maybe some of those touchdowns could be going away to Trey Lance. I, I don't know. I'm – I'm still on the Trey Lance hype, so I'm trying to see him do some good things. I'm going to go back and defend your original point uh, and say that if something playing in your favor is that the one of the more recent players to have 40 touchdowns in, in a season was Russell Wilson 2020 in Seattle. His offensive coordinator was Brian Schottenheimer. So 
just keep that in mind that, you know, there, there's something playing in your favor. I will not touch the Trey Lance take with the 10-foot pole. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for when it actually happens and, and there's more conversation around that point. Uh, but I do like the the boldness. Again, you're just sticking to your brand as well. Uh, I'm going to go with a final one here. I'll try and do it as quick as possible. But I think the team's going to have the most interceptions they've had in a single season since 1985. Um, going back all the way to 1981, they had 37 interceptions as a team, which is tied for 11th all-time in NFL history. That's according to StatMuse. For context, the Cowboys had 16 interceptions last year, but during the year where Trayvon Diggs had his 11 interceptions, they had 26. So not even close to the 37 number. And when you look at the breakdown of where, you know, who had the interceptions, what was the total? Trayvon Diggs, of course, had 11 of his own, but Anthony Brown had three, Jordan Lewis had three, J. Ron Curse had two. Malik Hooker had one, and Demonte KZ, uh, shout out to Demonte KZ, um, had two of his own. So when I look at this number, I think that they also had guys like uh, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. I believe Carlos Watkins also had an interception that year, too. Um, so it's like there were a lot of crazy things with the defensive line going. I'm just looking at the secondary for the Cowboys. I think Diggs has eight. Stephon Gilmore's on this team now. I know last year he had two. To me, I feel like he's going to have four because the teams aren't going to want to throw in Trayvon Diggs' direction. So I think that when Stephon Gilmore was the only corner in Indy, I don't think he got as many opportunities. I think Deron Bland might have a little bit more of a downtick this year, but I think it's going to be not by much. I think he's going to have four. Um, J. Ron Curse, I think, is going to have three because he's going into a contract year. Donovan Wilson had none last year. I think he gets one. And Malik Hooker has three, tying what he had last year coming off of his contract. So that puts it at 24. So we need just some linebackers, some defensive linemen to get to the magic number for me. Can we finally is, get a Micah Parsons interception? Yeah, maybe, that finally maybe, maybe he gets two, and I think they get to 29 this year where it would be uh, third in franchise history tied with the 1967 team. To me, when you look at their schedule, I think that they're playing a lot of opponents that will play in this favor where the NFC East, Sam Howell is going to be a more pass-happy pass happy quarterback. Um, you have the AFC East where they have almost all passing quarterbacks, especially with Tua in Miami, and then also with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Cardinals are a mess. They're on the schedule. Uh, the Chargers are going to be throwing a lot. Of course, with Kellen Moore, that could be a shootout. Uh, San Francisco is up in the air with Brock Purdy with the UCL injury. And then you have the Rams, Panthers, Seahawks, and Lions. All four teams want to throw the ball um, and don't really have sort of a running game to kind of establish on. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities this year for the secondary to capitalize on interceptions and takeaways. And the Cowboys have led the NFL two seasons in a row uh, in takeaways. If they do it a third time, it would be the first time it happens in NFL history, I believe. Um, so I think the sky's the limit for the secondary. We've talked about it at nauseam this offseason. I'm so happy we're two weeks away from actual game action and to really see what this defense has because I know Micah Parsons is excited. Trayvon Diggs is excited. I think we're all excited. And I think 29 is kind of realistic. It's bold, but I think, you know, it's not 37. Um, but it can get there, especially if we have maybe one or two from Leighton Vander Esch and maybe throw Micah Parsons in there too. You know, yeah, we got to get Hallman's guy, uh, Vander Esch, some, uh, some interceptions, of course. I'll just yeah, say, look, say you count. can always count on my guy Leighton to, to get you a few picks. Never, <laughs> never doubt him, as I learned. Never doubt him. I love it, Hallman. Uh, 26 is my number. And All I'm right. just saying 26. I'll say it because it's just over, and I like numbers, one and a half. So it's like a little over 1.5 per game. So I think one and a half per game is reasonable. So I'll say, I'll say 26. I'm going to stay on uh, part of the boldness. Um, you know, you said 29. That's cool. Give me 30. That's <laughs> okay. an even number. That's a nicer number. I like it. I like the number 30. Um, 
I don't know. I think that you're forgetting that that, that uh, there's going to be a defensive lineman that we don't expect, kind of like a Carlos Watkins that's just going to get a crazy interception and run it back. Maybe it's Mozzie Smith. Wouldn't that be awesome seeing a big boy Mozzie Smith get the pick six on the defensive line? That would be a heck of a confidence booster for the rookie. No, big guy touchdown, too. Yeah, exactly. Big guy touchdowns. I'm here for it. I think that we're going to see somebody. Maybe it's Osa. Maybe it's, you know, Tank. Maybe. I don't know. I I think 30 is the answer. Yeah, uh, as you were saying that, that the the image of Mozzie getting the getting the pick six, doing his dance, it reminded me of DJ Raji, who also he had one of those uh, one of those big guy pick sixes, and of course he played for the Packers. He did that when Mike McCarthy was the head coach. So maybe you know maybe that's that's the the connecting fiber there that makes that happen and just manifests that into reality. As far as the interceptions, I mean, I, I think I think twenty nine is a good number. I guess I'll go I'll go just under twenty eight to hedge my bets. But but I, I mean, I, I think uh, B two, your your logic made sense. And unlike your last one, I'm like totally in agreement here. I, I totally followed it, and I'm like a little bit when you got into the, the individual numbers and all the math, I, you lost me a bit. But I, I'm trusting that you landed that plane, and I'll go ahead and and I'll go with twenty eight just for just for official purposes, but I, I think you're on to something. See, a, a good mathematician throws so many numbers out there where it's too tough to correct and actually try and see if, if what I came up with was wrong. Maybe maybe all the numbers were wrong. Um, and I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to go with 30, but I kind of priced this right myself on that, and that's why I went with 29 on that, just to be on the safe side. Uh, before we get out of here, because we're going to end a little early tonight, um, of course, we need to talk about with regardless of what happens tomorrow with the cutdown day and the Dallas Cowboys finalizing their roster for the 2023 season. Like we mentioned, we hope everybody who is going to be cut from the team lands on their feet, whether within the practice squad or just with another team in general. There's a lot of great talent out there. These guys working day in, day out, especially in training camp. I mean, so shout out to them and their NFL careers. Hopefully it does continue. Um, but we'll go rapid fire starting with Chris. Brandon and Howman, um, who's some guy that if you were in the room tonight, you know, to put your your stamp on somebody that you want to stand up on the table for, who would it be and why? To return to the Cowboys, not necessarily on the roster, but maybe even in a practice squad form too. Yeah, I have a super surprising answer here. It's going to be Jalen Brooks. Um, I want Jalen Brooks to make the final roster. And, you know, I will say I was kind of let down by the fact that we didn't really see – crazy performances from him in the preseason. I don't think it's necessarily a, you know, you know, a knack against him. I just think he didn't really get the opportunities. And I think that at the end of the day, he still provides more upside than a Simi Fajoko and he provides more upside than some of these other wide receivers in that room. And I would like to see him grow and stay on the roster. I think he had such a good training camp that if the Cowboys did try and keep him on the practice squad, I think he would get picked up by another team. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm punching the ceiling right now, trying to get Jalen Brooks back in Dallas for the full 53-man roster. Uh, that's 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 very thought. I know I know it's your boy Jalen Brooks, so I, that's very thoughtful. Um, I, I do like your logic over Semi Fajoko. No no offense, Hallman, but yeah, I, uh, I think it's a pipe dream to be honest. I just sorry. I just that's that's where I'm at with uh, with with him. But uh, with Isaiah Land, I've already talked about him earlier on the show. I'm just gonna read this to you. Five false starts against uh, the guy who was facing the other side. The le- any left tackle, any uh, any offense tackle that has faced Isaiah Land this preseason. Five false starts. We saw a couple in this past game against the Raiders. So obviously, people are afraid of that wicked first step that he has. Now, let's. The, here's another stat for you. So he, he he's finished the preseason. And this is a shout out to Marcus Mosier. Great uh, great great follow on there at PFF. 
10 pressures, seven hurries on 45 pass rush snaps. That's pretty darn good. And then I'm going to give a little nugget to our, 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 our boy here, B2, who uh, he, he put out some notes from uh, David Moore from Dallas Morning News. And I did see that uh, he put a comment, a comment out there that says, it wouldn't be a shock if the defensive staff goes an undrafted rookie, Isaiah Land, over a Chauncey Golston. I'm just leaving it at that, boys. Isaiah Land's my guy. I will pound on the table for him because as there's, there's three things in life that matter in the NFL. You need a quarterback, you need to protect the quarterback, and you need to you need to get after the quarterback. And guess what? Isaiah Land does that pretty darn well. So there's no way he gets he clears waivers and comes back to Dallas because somebody else will take him. So he needs to be on the 53. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm Brandon. I'm really close there with you on, on Isaiah Land, and like I mean, I know I I left him off my final 53 man roster, but I do love the guy. Really, really hope that he's able, if he doesn't make it, that he's able to get to the practice squad because he has a bright future. But the guy that I'm pounding the table for is not a rookie. We all know who it is. It's Simi Fihoko. Um, th- this has been my guy, and I've been just absolutely beating the drum for him since the Cowboys took him. And, you know, injuries or, you know, being, you know, being a rookie and kind of having that slow acclimation to the NFL has kind of gotten in his way. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of in an unfair spot this year because he was came into camp trying to compete for that wide receiver four, and then Jalen Tolbert just absolutely took off. And that's great to see. That's a good problem to have, but now it's kind of in a, a tough spot between Fihoko and the rookie Jalen Brooks. And I like Brooks a lot too, and he's had a great training camp. But I just think this is this is a team that's trying to win now. And you you if you're just choosing between a veteran who's been around, he he's been in the weight room, he's been in the program, and knows what the expectations are, what the standards are, versus a guy that maybe you see a lot of potential with Brooks. And I think the Cowboys see a lot of potential. I, I see a lot of potential with him, but you're trying to compete in 2023. So for me, Sidney Fihoko, he's someone who has been in the locker room. He knows Dak Prescott. He's got good chemistry. He's been working out with him in the offseason. The guy is 6'4", and he runs a 4'4", Like, you don't find guys like that just off the street. And, you know, he hasn't had, you know, the most impressive preseason performance. But I'll tell you what, if, if we're talking about him versus Brooks, statistically, he's outperformed him. He's, he's had just about as many targets. He's had more catches. He's had more yards. Um, and I just think a guy with his ability, shown ability to contribute on special teams and the size, the speed, like you can't just go out and find another guy that fits all those markers. So that's the guy I'm pounding the table for. I know it's, it's going to be, you know, a tight race down to the wire between those two. But if I were the one in the room right now trying to make my case, I'd, I'd be going Fehoko right there. I think it's awesome to hear the the passion that you guys have for all these three guys. And I agree, I mean, with every single one of you, which is why it makes it so hard. And I'm so happy I don't have to make these decisions because you all brought valid points to the table on why each person should be on the Cowboys, not only practice squad, but the 53-man roster itself. And again, this is a credit to the depth that the Cowboys have developed over the previous few years. To me, the guy, it's not as sexy of a player, but to me, Matt Farniak, I think, uh, needs to be on this team one way or another. I think that uh, I've seen a lot of, you know, preliminary 53-man roster reports, and he's been left off, um, you know, in favor of someone like TJ Bass. And I do think that, like we mentioned at the top, it's going to come down to a numbers game. 
to me, it's just you need to have a backup center on this team. It's something that hasn't really been addressed with a veteran presence. They trust Farniak. They trust Brock Hoffman. But I think Farniak, again, he's been in the team's uh, system for a long time now, longer than Brock Hoffman. Um, I know they just, uh, you know, as we're recording this, they did release Alec Lindstrom, who was the other backup center. So I do think that Farniak has taken snaps at guard, at center. And to me, if you have somebody like Bass on the team, that's great but he doesn't play center. So to me, it's just you need to have somebody on here, whether it's on the practice squad or the 53-man roster. I think he should be here one way or another. But I think you just want to keep developing these big guys moving forward to hopefully find a landing spot in the future on the Cowboys offensive line. So with that being said, we'll wrap up here. Again, shout out to all the players who are um, you know, unfortunately going to lose their jobs, but we hope that here on the writer's block, uh, we're going to send well wishes. Hope you land on your feet. So for David Hellman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Halling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thanks so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the Writer's Block. We will talk to you guys next week. 